Thanks for listening to the Bluff City Apostolic Worship Center podcast. For more information about the church and our ministries, go to bluffcityawc.com. And you can follow us on Facebook by liking our Facebook page, Bluff City Apostolic Worship Center, and find us on Instagram with our Instagram handle, bluffcityawc. said that if you get to the end of your life and you can say you've had seven friends, seven people that you knew were really your good friends, then you would consider yourself to be a wealthy person. And um, it is my hope that that's a low number. I, I would like to believe that a person who makes themselves available to friendships would um, get to the end of their life's course and have had more than seven friends but that's my plan anyway to get to the end of my life's course and have had more than seven friends among them uh, I would very much consider Brother Williams to be one of those people that I consider my good friend and I hope my hope is that I have been to him as good a friend as he has been to me. And that that will continue in the future going forward to Brother Dustin Williams and his family. Thank the Lord for them and uh, their willingness and ability to carry the load and the responsibility uh, in this season they have had to carry and um, what a comfort it is to know that you've got layers of leadership leading you as a people and that uh, God has seen way down the road from where we all are and realized just exactly what we were going to need and when we were going to need it and so give honor to the rest of the leadership and the pastoral staff. Uh, thank the Lord for all of you as you have stepped up to the plate in weeks, months, and years leading up to this season and done what God has called you to Bluff City Church to do. The saints of God are to be honored as well because you have remained faithful in all of these trying times and unique times and different times and never before seen times, at least not in our lifetimes. Um, if you were alive during the Spanish flu outbreak, you probably have a better point of reference for all this great Corona than the rest of us do. Uh, 
but I think for the most part, we are all newbies at this. And so to the saints of God, thank you for, and I've said this to a lot of places, thank you for your continued faithfulness and dedication and commitment to the kingdom of God. I, um, I have to tell you, Bishop or Brother Dustin Williams, either one, y'all, y'all get uncomfortable with anything I'm saying, just either shut the live feed down or text me and tell me to put a sock in it. Either way will work. Uh, but I, I have to tell you, I'm, I am more troubled in my spirit right now than I have been in a very long time. Woke up that way, was that way last night. Um, I woke up that way and thought, well, it's just, it's just me and I need to get my, my life in order here and get to praying and doing what I need to do and get Scott Shelton lined out. And then I get a text from a man of God um, and his comment to me was almost verbatim the same thing. And I don't really know the full extent of it all. But I do know that something spiritual is afoot. And I, you've, you've been exposed to me and my ministry and my personality enough. <laughs> Maybe some of you would just say enough. But enough to know at least. Uh, I, have a, I have a difficult time pretending. And um, I'm not gonna start now. I, I've never been able to pretend. Now I can be nice. I can, I can, um, I can do the right thing and not not just absolutely upset the apple cart every time I'm around people. But when it comes to spiritual things and things of the kingdom, I just I have a problem pretending that everything's okay when it's not okay. And I have a problem pretending that um, I'm okay when I'm not okay. And, and I'm talking about pretending to myself. I, I'm not talking about the presentation we give everybody else because some of you can go ahead and call me a hypocrite, but you know as well as I do that nobody ever uh, just, well, most people very rarely just lay everything on the table 24 hours a day. And, and all together too often times we're going through things and we just don't tell people. We don't, we don't talk about it, we don't discuss it. And uh, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about pretending to myself. When I know there's something going on in the spirit and yet I try to pretend to myself that it's not. And if we're not careful, we'll just try to push stuff away, push stuff away, push stuff away, and act like everything's okay. When we know in our spirit that it is not okay. And we are, we are, we're in a place as a country. I, I, I could not in my wildest dreams seen everything that's happened happening and happening the way it's happened 
I just never would have seen it in my mind. But I do think the Lord has tried to prepare us for it. I do think the Lord has warned us and tried to preempt all of this upheaval and unrest and mess going on in our nation. I may say some things that are a little sensitive today and, and I'm not trying to, I had, I don't even, I have no idea what all I'm going to say. All I know is where I'm starting and where the Lord takes it beyond that. I, I can't, I, I don't, I don't know where we're going. But the state of our country right now is one of division, I think is an easy obvious approach to the topic we are divided and and anybody that don't believe it or don't see it is just living in a bubble somewhere but we are a divided people and while it's been a while since we've seen this kind of unrest and this kind of problems in the earth it's not the first time and unfortunately unless I am completely mistaken, it's not going to be the last time. As a matter of fact, I think, I think situations like this are not only going to continue to occur, <clears throat> but I think in time to come, they're going to get worse. We have what some might would say are multiple sides to issues, but I think really at the end of the day, there's really only two sides to every issue the right side and the wrong side. Now, each of those two camps can be broken down into subgroups and everybody on the right side can be in different compartmental, compartmentalized locations and everybody on the wrong side can be in their compartmentalized locations. But really at the end of the day, um, the Lord is absolute, his laws are absolute, his ways are absolute and everything that we know as our life and the world we live on and in, is a result of an absolute God. The sun doesn't maybe come up, maybe not come up. It doesn't partly come up. It, it rotates continually, faithfully, consistently, week after week and month after month, year after year, decade and generation after millennium. Because we serve an absolute God. His laws do not vary and they do not change. What changes is us. And part of the thing that humanity has been doing for a very long time has been a, what I would personally say, has been a subliminal assault on the absolute laws of God. Things that are obvious, things that are, I would think obvious to everybody, not just the church. The enemy has been working trying to change them. And we have sat idly and blindly by in times past and not really addressed the attacks of the enemy, not culture, but attacks of the enemy. And as a result of us not addressing it as an attack of the enemy, it was allowed to linger long enough that it became a cultural issue. And as a result of it becoming a cultural issue, 
then it became a hot topic and we were afraid to deal with it in the church when if we had been ahead of the game and if we had gotten involved with it when it was a, a, a infantile issue we could have addressed it even not not just when it was in its infancy as an issue but before it became an issue there's you know obviously i i think everybody is fully aware of the fact that we've got a lot of civil unrest and mess going on in the earth right now protesting and rioting and looting not all the same thing they are different things and uh, the protests are one thing, the peaceful protesting, we have a right to do that. And then the rioting and the looting and everything that's been dovetailed into that and attached to that and then been made to be something that we have to address and then the enemy convolutes the conversation and now do we say anything about all the unlawful stuff? Do we support the lawful stuff? If I support the lawful stuff, what's that saying? If I support, if I'm silent on the unlawful, what's that saying? Do you understand the point I'm making? When if we would have got in on this and been on board with this decades ago, we might could have preempted this and put a stop to it before it ever got this bad. Immorality, sin sin that's in the earth right now did not just get here now it would be easy for me to preach about you know the lord's going to help us and we're overcomers by the blood of the lamb and uh, all of that and and i really would like to i would really like to preach that stuff but i'm going to tell you something one of the things we've not addressed in the church nearly enough for decades has been our responsibility, not just to the world, but to the word. And not just to the word, but to the world. We've, we have taken time off. We, we've just gone on vacation from our responsibilities to the word and that to the world. We sat around when they took Jesus out of the schools. We should have been, we should have been having all night prayer meetings then. We sat around when they took nativity scenes off of courthouse properties in, in a lot of in a lot of this nation. We should have been having all-night prayer vigils then. But all we've really been concerned with preserving has been what we've got on our properties. Our church buildings, whatever all we're doing there, you leave this alone and you can have everything else. Well, look what that's done for us. Now we're, we're dealing with a society that's godless. I never would have dreamed it would be this case, but we, we have become a, a godless society in, in a lot of ways. And if you travel very much at all and you go around the world and you tell people you're uh, an American um, and you're from a Christian nation, a lot of places will just laugh at you because most places in the world do not consider us a Christian nation anymore. Um, and, and so... You know, even right now, there's topics in my head that I'm thinking about uh, that lend themselves and, and to this argument and the proof that we're not the Christian nation we should be and perhaps once were. When, when we will advocate that an innocent child in the womb can be taken by death at the hands of a surgeon, 
Um, but you can't, you can't say something mean to somebody without that being a hate crime. There's an imbalance here. I'm not okay with being mean to people. That's not the point. The point is we're straining at gnats and swallowing camels. We're, we're dealing with beams and moats here. And you look around at the world and it's real easy. The scripture says that in the last days, men will become lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. Uh, evil will wax worse and worse. So in, in one sense, I'm not so, so shocked or surprised at the condition of the world we live in. But what I am most, and I think I've even said this to the church there in Bluff City before, you can look at the world, and, and I've heard them say for years, I've heard preachers say it for years, all you've got to do is read the newspaper to see how close we are to the coming of the rapture. Well, that's true. But if you want an even closer look, you want an even more accurate look at how close we are to the coming of the Lord, take an honest view and look of the church. We are becoming lovers of ourselves. And I know the enemy will start out saying he'll seduce us into believing that that's about sin and morality and, um, you know, whatever that would be. But it's not. It's not limited to that. And I don't personally think it even starts with that. I think one of the ways that we love ourselves more and more is we are we become more conscientious of our comfort. We become more conscientious of our time. We become more conscientious of what our needs are. And we begin to cater to that. And what I'm catering to is what I'm loving. Uh, and I want to make that better. And I want to make that easier. And I want to make that right. And I want to I want to make that more convenient. Well, that in turn then lends itself to something else and something else and something else. And eventually doors get opened and allow sin into our lives. Forget the church. It, it gets into our life. And we're not living in a world where we can take a back seat and, and say, okay, well, you know, this will be over soon. And this, no, it, it may be over soon. The rioting may be over soon. The destruction may be over soon. But when, when we, can, we can justify 292 police officers in New York City being hurt and the world not say one thing about that, and we can murder innocent children and nobody says anything about that. Brother Shelton, you're on a political rant. No, that's the problem right there. I'm talking about sin and you're thinking politics. This is not about politics. And I'm done sidestepping the issues because I don't want you or anybody else to think I'm taking a political position. That's the reason we're in the mess we're in right now in the churches because nobody has been willing to exercise the spine necessary to step up. And I say nobody on a, on a, on a grand scale. I know there are some among us that will say it. But for the large part, the church, not just preachers, don't, don't put this on just preachers. Saints are not saying stuff either. We're just living with our head in the sand, pretending that one day the rioting, the looting, the violence, it'll all be over, and we're going to go on, and we're going to have our normal summer, and we're going to have our normal July the 4th, and then we're going to have uh, end of summer stuff, and fall is coming, and the leaves are going to change, and crops are going to be harvested, and 
deer season's coming again and squirrel season's coming again and duck season's coming again and turkey season. And, and we're just, when we look ahead, we're looking ahead at those things. When we've got a problem in, there's an elephant in the room and the room is the earth. And there's an elephant in the room and nobody wants to talk about it. This problem we've got now, George Floyd should have never been treated that way. I don't care what his past criminal record was or was not. None of that matters. He should never have been treated that way. And I want to be on record saying that, okay? I want everybody to hear me say that. That was wrong. And we can masquerade this around and say, well, it's a race issue if we want to. I'm going to tell you right now, it is not a race issue. It's a problem that's manifesting itself in the form of racism. And it has found a costume that it can wear and hide itself. But the problem is a problem of hatred. It's hatred. Hatred. What makes one person do that to another person? What makes a person break into someone's house and kill them? Well, he didn't hate them. He didn't hate that man. He didn't know that man. Nobody probably hated himself. He hated somebody. Hatred is the only thing that can drive a person to take the life of another person or to destroy what another person has is hatred. Well, Brother Shelton, how can you say that? Because it was love that made Jesus lay his life down. Hatred will make you take another life. When you love somebody, you'll lay your life down for them. When you hate them, you'll take their life. And the problem that we've got in the world right now is a problem of hatred. Do you know why the elitists won't minister to the homeless? Because they hate them. They hate what they stand for. They hate their smell. They hate their body odor. They hate, they hate everything about that. They hate the way that makes them feel. It's hatred. Well, Brother Shelton, you're being awful blunt. I know that, and I, I'm going to continue to be this way until Jesus comes. And it's probably going to get worse. A spade is a spade. Black is black, white is white, right is right, wrong is wrong, up is up, down is down, and there's no more of this living in the middle of it all. Look what that's gotten us. It's a hatred issue. What makes, what makes somebody treat everybody in their life bad? They hate themselves. Well, boy, they weren't very friendly today. It had nothing to do with you. Well, I didn't do anything to them. Why did they treat me that way? Because of hatred. Well, why do they hate me? They don't hate you. They hate themselves. And they don't know how to treat other people. And if they hate themselves, they know it's just a matter of time before you're going to ultimately hate them. So they'll help you have a reason to hate them. The world we live in is a world that is so steeped in sin. And the sins that we think about all the time are not the ones I'm talking about as much today as I am these other things. We can, we can jump on the bandwagon and become a cultural warrior rather than a kingdom crusader. And we're going to miss the mark. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you right this minute. We are going to either be cultural conscious or Calvary conscious. And I'm done looking at the culture to dictate the narrative of the message of the cross. Do you hear me? 
when when the message of the cross has to be filtered through and dictated by cultural issues and political issues we are adding to and taking away from the scripture and our ministries our lives we the scripture said will be cursed for it you can't you can't take a political or a cultural narrative filter it into the word and the word through that and come out with a pure word from god well i think you can then keep doing what you're doing keep believing what you're believing keep feeling the way you feel about it but at the end of the day you're still going to be wrong we have too many pulpits in the world today filled with political correctness filled with cultural warriors who want to jump up and, and i'm so weary i'm so weary with these people that want to jump on Facebook and go pretend to be some cultural icon and warrior and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and ain't prayed two hours since then about that. The world around us is going to hell in a handbasket and, and, and we, we can't even get our eyes off of what, what little effect it's had on us. Long enough to get out here and figure out we... we <coughs> Brother Williams, please, Brother Dustin Williams, I see you on here, so you, if I'm wrong, you can rebuke me publicly. But I am so weird. I am done with Pentecostals who use situations like this to market their ministries and to beef up their brand. I, I'm done with it. I, I, the cross, the message of the cross, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus is the only thing that's going to fix the world to a degree that it needs to be fixed. And I can tell you right now, it's never going to completely overhaul the world, but it can save out of this messed up world everybody that wants to be saved. But we preach less about the cross now. We're reading books. We're talking to people. We're listening to people preach online, trying to figure out a better slant. I wonder what would happen in the church. I wonder what would happen in the church if for the next 90 days, if, if from now to the end of the year, if we had the guts to do it, if everything that we preached had to do with the cross and the cross alone, that we didn't read anything but the word of God, we didn't listen to anything but the word of God, and we just focused on the message of hope at the foot of the cross. What kind of an unprecedented move of God and revival do you think we would have? Well, I don't know that we would have one. We're not having one doing what we're doing. Brother Shelton, you're just trying to make people mad. Yeah, I guess I am. I am trying to make some people mad. I'm trying to make some people mad enough to go back to a prayer room and find an altar and stay there till God, they have a personal move of God. We're, we're trying to have a move of God in our church, but we don't want to have a personal move of God. That's sin. We want everybody else to worship, but I don't want to worship. We want everybody else to run the aisles. We want to have an apostolic church, but I don't want to be an apostolic in my church. And then when you get to looking at all this, that's why the world's in the mess it's in. The world isn't in the mess it's in because it's a great place, overrun with beauty and peace and love and tranquility, harmony among all people. No, the world's in the mess it's in now because people hate one another. Prove that. Okay. Is it possible for two people that don't have the Holy Ghost to truly love one another? Now, don't, don't answer this from a romantic perspective, okay? Don't, all you hopeless romantics out there, don't you go, I didn't say 
to have deep feelings toward one another. I didn't say to have emotional ties to one another. I said, is it possible for two people who do not have the Holy Ghost to truly love one another? No. Oh, so you're saying, yes. That's what I'm saying. No. Well, what's your Bible for that? Okay, well, who is love? Answer that for me. Who is love? God. Now, I'm telling you, there's a human condition that I think the, the human individual is capable of something that we would call love. That's not the kind of love I'm talking about. That kind of love will still shoot somebody. That kind of love will stop loving and start hating. That kind of love will betray somebody. That kind of love will walk out on a marriage. That kind of love will walk off from kids. That kind of love will abuse and hurt. And I'm talking about pure, perfect love that can't kill. I'm talking about the love of God. I'm not talking about sitting around, talking about Michael, row your boat ashore, singing some kumbaya, roasting marshmallows on the beachfront somewhere. That's not what I'm talking about. I've been on the beaches in California late at night, walking up and down Venice Beach and hear them playing their bongo drums out there and the surf just are blowing up on the beach. And we walked out there over the dune to look down and see what was going on. And they gathered up, them hippies were piled in there from every corner of Venice Beach and they're beating on their bongo drums and they're singing and they're dancing and smoking dope and drinking and talking about love. That ain't the kind of love I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind of love that will go interrupt one of those meetings and tell them, hey fellas, this ain't it. I know what you're looking for and this is not it. I'm talking about the love of God that will say, you know what, today I'm not, I'm not doing what I had planned. Today I'm going to drive through my city praying over my city. Today I'm going to drive and if the Lord wants me to stop and talk to somebody, I'm going to stop and talk to somebody. If that kind of love, the love of God was being shed abroad in the world like it's supposed to be by the whole church, we wouldn't have George Floyd's. We wouldn't have that young man in Georgia being shot. We wouldn't have the young woman in Louisville and everybody else that's been killed regardless of race, creed, or color. We wouldn't have all the home invasions. We wouldn't have people walking in shooting up churches. But we don't have that kind of love everywhere. And we never will have. Because by one man's sin, death entered the world. So there's always going to be, I don't care how perfect of a utopian society you try to create, there will always be an element of humanity. And there will always be an element in all humanity that is willing to do the most egregious thing that you could ever imagine. There will always be something in every body. I don't care how righteous you think you are. We all have a certain part of our DNA and our makeup that's not pretty. And the only thing that keeps that at bay, the only thing that keeps us from 
losing our way is the love of God, the fear of God, the awe of God, to realize that even this messed up pile of flesh that I am, God loves it anyway. And when God loves us that much, and we are aware that he loves us that much, a spirit of humility can come upon us, and that humility causes us to become evangelists to a lost and dying world rather than judge, jury, and executioner, and critic, and sarcastic, and bitter, and broken up, and full of whatever. No. And, and do I think a social platform is where the apostolic church needs to be in times like this? No. And going forward, no. Making posts on Facebook and saying things on Facebook that are innocent in one sense, but it causes this person to have a different opinion and this person to have a different opinion. And then all of a sudden, these two people who had no problem to start with, now because we weaponize social media, now these two members of the same church family are at odds with each other. Brother Shelton, I, I enjoy Facebook. Fine, read it, but quit, quit. If you got something to say about a current event issue, say it in prayer. Say it to Jesus. He's the only one that can fix it. Which brings me to this point. The enemy uses situations like what we've got. Brother Shelton, are you downplaying it? No, I've already said that. I've already established up front, if you were listening to and not hearing what you wanted to hear, I have already told you, I... I, I oppose it. I, I speak against it. Whatever terminology you want to put on that. I, what happened should have never happened. But you got to ask a question too then. Why this time has the world exploded? Can, can you tell me that? Why did the world blow up this time? What made this situation so different than others? At the beginning of the great corona outbreak, that young man was shot in Georgia before all of this corona stuff really came into full view. And yet his case was never heard by the national media or anybody, the nation didn't know anything really about it. When I first heard about it and read about it on the news, it was weeks past. And people were upset about it. But we didn't see this. Other injustices, not just racial injustices, other injustices. People want to talk about, you know, an infringement on someone's civil liberties. All right, I get that. But what about the other things, sin that has infringed on other people's civil liberties? What about sin that's caused people to go bankrupt trying to defend their right not to involve themselves in the service they provide with a lifestyle they're not comfortable with. No, none of these social warriors jumped up then and went out and put stuff on their Facebook pages about it. And that's the problem with the church. We'll jump up and say stuff about things that's, that's, you know, socially acceptable to say something about. But where's the church? When the very life that you and I say we love and believe and, and cling to, a life in Christ, a life above and without sin, we believe in biblical principles and laws and, and, and instruction and commandments. We believe in it. But where are we when other infringements are made? We're silent because we're afraid. 
We can speak out now and not get hurt. We can speak out now and not be sued. We can speak up now and, and, and appear to be right with everybody, which is the problem. We want to be able to say what we can say and want to say and still fit with the norm. And I'm sorry. I am so sorry to have to be the one to tell somebody. And, and trust me, I, I've done, I've been on, I've already been on Marco Polo in the last 24 hours to a, a group of young preachers and just laid the thunder to them too. We better make our minds up if or not our focus is fitting with the world's agenda, the world's thought pro process, the world's format, the world's platform, the world's conversations. Are, are we still mostly interested in this right here? That's what I need to know. I've, I've been asking me some questions. And you know what? I know that talking the way I'm talking about this topic and, and other topics is, is not going to win me some friends in some circles. Well, guess what? I'm good with that. I, 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 either this is still right or it's all wrong. We don't get to decide which parts of this we're going to utilize and not utilize. We don't get to decide which part of this book right here that we're going to live by or not live by. That's not, we, we, we have been given instructions to live by every bit of it. Every word, every precept upon precept, line upon line, all of it. And the stuff you're seeing blowing up in the world around us right now is a result of the fact that the church has been highly, highly missing in action. No. Stuff is still going to happen. I've already told you that. I know that. People are still going to hate people because everybody's not going to let God love through them. But when a person lives by the word of God, then the love of God begins to flow through them. And if the love of God is flowing through me and somebody does something that's offensive, the love of God ought to be quicker in me to bring me to a place of forgiveness rather than to a place of reaction. And I got to tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm the first one on board today to say I need to find an altar often. Yes, surrender. Our will. That's the only thing we can give sacrificially. Our will is the only thing. All of, all of these, you know why lines are drawn? Because nobody will surrender. You know why lines are drawn between peoples? Because nobody wants to concede anything. Don't concede truth. Don't know. We're not surrendering this. We're not going to concede the book. But I'm talking about my opinions. I'm talking about my preferences. I heard it said recently that we, we oftentimes, if we're not careful... We, we draw conclusions about people within the first 30 seconds. They walk into our church. And we decide real quick whether or not we want them to be a part of our church or not. Well, how do you know that? Because if we really want them to be a part of our church and we really want them to be a part of what we're doing, why does it take some people weeks before they ever go shake their hand and get to know them? Oh, we're, you're, everybody's welcome here. But we don't act like that. It shouldn't just be the greeters at the front door that are responsible 
for making a contact with somebody that walked in our building for the first time, second time, third time, or a hundredth time. The love of God won't let us not speak. It won't let us not get involved with people. The love of God propels us. I, just being transparent, I managed about five weeks ago to tear the muscles. They call it, I think, tennis elbow, but in both of my elbows and forearms, the left one here is the worst. I can't hardly even hold a cup of coffee, and that's bad. And it's been really irritating to me, and the doctor's trying to physical therapy it together, and maybe it'll grow back together, and can you squeeze? No, I, and then you do that little deal to see how much pressure you can do it, and they're like, oh, wow, you can't squeeze. I, I told you that five weeks ago. And so through all of my frustration, um, I, haven't, I haven't just really been all happy, happy about getting up and, and being in the physical therapy office at 7 o'clock in the morning. I get up early, but I'd rather sit at home and drink coffee at 7 o'clock. I don't want to be sitting over in the physical therapy office. But all of a sudden, as I sat there, my little therapist, she's got her little mask plumb up to her eyeballs. And, you know, they checking you to see if you got fever, and that's all precious. That's fine. And I sit in there and I'm irritated and they doing that ultrasound deal on my arms and then pushing and massaging or making me, they're stretching my arms out and then making me and pushing and wanting to know, does it hurt? Well, yeah, it hurts. Well, on a scale of one to 10, where does it hurt? 15. And in that moment, I'm telling y'all right now, y'all all sanctified. But old Scotty boy here in that moment was not real happy with Miss Therapist. And here I sat trying to go through all of this. And all of a sudden, something began to flow. All of a sudden, something began to happen. All of a sudden, I became aware of something. This woman that's my physical therapist, there's something about the love of God. I could feel it going toward her. So I put all of my inconveniences and all of my uncomfortable stuff aside and all of my pain in my arms, I put all that aside. And began to just let the love of God flow. And over the last two or three weeks, finally the other day, Tuesday, I believe, Wednesday, as I sat in that physical therapy and I've got my arms up on that, those two deals and they've got heating pads and ice packs and ultrasound nonsense going. And here I sat up in here and she began to talk to me. She said, if you were looking for a church to go to, trying to pick a church, what, what would you be looking for? Ooh, that's like catnip. And the funny thing was, one of the staff pastors from whatever church in town here she attends had just come in for an appointment with the doctor. And as he came by the therapy room, he waved at her and they were talking. She said, oh, he's one of our staff pastors. And then she turned and said, kind of quieter. So I'm, I'm pretty sure it's her that's, uh, she's asking for her, not her friend. But she said, if you were looking for a new church to go to, what would you be looking for? And it was like, it was like telling a dog, sick them. And I began to talk to her. I said, well, first of all, I'd, I'd stay away from churches who only preached opinions. She said, I've never heard anybody say that. I said, I'd also stay away from churches who preached out of the newspaper. 
and never saw a Bible. That's good. The news is depressing. I said, that's right. I said, then I would, I would find me a church that was unashamed of the truth. Wasn't just going to preach it, but was unashamed of it. Well, how do you know if they're unashamed? I said, because they live what they preach. They live out loud what they silently say they believe. Ooh, I like that. And I could feel it, man. You could feel that Holy Ghost was, ooh, it was powerful. I kept going. I said, I would, I'd find me a church that believed in the new birth. What's that? I said, the death, burial, and the resurrection. Repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. She said, ooh, I've heard about the Holy Ghost. And I said, then I'd go a little further. And I'd find me a church that believed in the five-fold ministry. Would you talk about that? I said, well, and the other therapist was listening in now from across the room where she was doing something, filling out paperwork. I said, I'd, I'd look for a church that believed in apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists. I saw her kind of shiver. I said, then I'd go on and I'd be looking a little deeper. When you got them on the rope, you don't let them loose. I said, I'd be talking to people and I'd, I'd be looking to see not only do you believe in the fivefold ministry, but do you believe in the gifts of the spirit? Do you believe that the dead can be raised? Do you believe that God still heals the sick? Do you believe that God still does miracles? Do you believe the blind can receive their sight? She said, have you seen that stuff? I said, oh yes, a lot, all the time. And I began to tell her stories of things that I'd seen God do. And finally she held both of her hands up. She said, you've got to stop. And I looked on her arms and it was goosebumps on top of goosebumps. She said, you, you just got to stop. I can't, whew, I don't even know what I'm feeling. I said, you're feeling the Holy Ghost. That's the Holy Ghost right there. That's what you're looking for. She said, you, you just got to stop. You, you just got to stop. I'll be right back. And she got up and she wasn't offended. I mean, it was like she was so caught up in it. She didn't know what was even going on. That's what I'm talking about. It's kind of hard to hate somebody when you're feeling that going on. It's kind of hard to be mean to somebody and hateful to somebody when there's such a flow of the Holy Ghost between you and them. I hope you're picking up what I'm putting down. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about surrendering my uncomfort, my discomfort. I'm talking about surrendering the pain in my arms. I'm talking about surrendering the fact that I'm sitting over there at seven o'clock as opposed to in my recliner or here at my desk with a cup of coffee. Bad news comes, news we don't like comes. We got a choice. We can either get all bent out of shape about it, get mad and stove up and just tore all two pieces. Or we can say, you know what? The Lord knows the Lord's got it. I'm not going to worry about it. God's in control. God's in control. Because if I don't believe God's in control and I walk out of my house mad about this situation, all it's going to take is some joker over here pushing the wrong button and I'm going to explode on them over something that has nothing to do with them. So when you get a negative news, you get negative reports, you get a negative whatever, cast it, cast it, cast it. This isn't mine, this isn't mine. Lord, I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you. I release this back to you. This is your problem, not my problem. I'm your child. You fix this. You deal with this. Tell me what to do about it. But because we don't do that, we contribute to the problem. We walk out and you've said it, you've heard it said, I've said it, I've heard it said, and I've probably been one of them. 
that some of the most sourpussed, unfriendly, mean-faced people in the world is us. It's almost like we're, we're mad because we are Pentecostal. We are mad because we're apostolic. Are you kidding me? We ought to be rejoicing and shouting every single day of our life that Jesus loved us enough to go to Calvary. That when people look at us, they see somebody with the love of God on their face. You, you wonder sometimes, I do, I have in times past wondered, why, why, don't people, why don't people approach us? I mean, we're always talking about first one thing and then another, but why don't people ever approach us about, because we look mad all the time. We look like we are hacked off at the world all the time. Now, I got a fat face and my face just kind of hangs in one direction. So by nature, there are some people, I've got a friend, Brother Sullivan here in town, he wakes up smiling. He goes through the whole day smiling. I've never seen somebody that could smile that easily and that often as he, he does. And it's not fake. So for me, I have to put a conscious effort to it and do that. And when I'm by myself, now I'm not just sitting around, I probably look more like I'm mad when I'm sitting here by myself. But when I get around people, I've started, I've started the last few years making a conscientious effort not to look like a mule eating briars. Because that person that's sitting across that waiting room in a doctor's office from you, that person in Walmart with you, that person down at the Chinese buffet, hallelujah, can't wait to get back to that. They may be looking at you and knowing from an outward, outward vantage point, there's something different about you. Yesterday, here's what I'm talking about. Yesterday, my wife gets a call from a woman in Mississippi, northern Mississippi, that we don't even know. Never heard of this woman. But she's an apostolic. My in-laws, my mother and my father-in-law, were buying a storage building. And they went over to this lot and talked to these people that sells those storage buildings. And they end up in this woman's office. She said that day, I, I just was just, you know, just doing my normal deal. And she said, these two people sitting in my office and the woman looks at her and says, are you a Pentecostal? She said, and I looked at her and told her, yes, I am. And she said, before the conversation was over, she done got up and laid hands on my mother-in-law and my father-in-law. And she said, if, if they would have just opened their mouth, if they would, she said they sobbed and cried and cried and cried. They're not living for God right now. They're not doing what they need to be doing. Thank God somebody was able to let the love of God flow through them yesterday in her office selling a storage building to my in-laws. And my in-laws were impacted in such a way that has left them forever shaken and, and, and changed. But if, if we're not willing to let the love of God flow, then that would have never happened the other day in northern Mississippi. That's what I'm talking about. Rather than returning anger to anger, rather than responding to hate with hate, why don't we respond biblically with the word of God? If it's sin, it's sin. But this, this book, the scripture also says that even judgment should be administered with love. What did we think was going to happen 
when we allowed society and the enemy to pull the church out of our society. Pandemonium. Why now? Why this case and not the young man that was shot in Georgia or the young girl or this or that or this or that? Why? Why now? I'll tell you what I think. I believe. I believe that it's happening now because, one, the enemy knows God's plan for man. And I believe that just like he did with Job, the enemy still, the scripture doesn't say he does not, but I believe that the enemy still is able to present himself on some level or another before God with the sons of God like he did in Job's day. And I think that the enemy knows about God's timing, God's plan for man. That's one reason. The other reason is Daniel prayed for 21 days but it only took God one prayer to answer. But that next 21 and a half days, 20 and a half days was spent in spiritual warfare. Gabriel tells Daniel when he finally got to him, I, I got held up by the Prince of Persia over here and I had to call for Michael because he knows of such things and he and his warrior angels came and brought me some help and I was able to rejoin that battle. And, and then once that was fought and won, then I was able to come on to you. And here's your word. Daniel's prayer was so powerful that it moved heaven. There's one recording of it. That I believe the way Gabriel says it is at thy first word. But the indication is, <clears throat> at the very beginning of your prayer, I heard you and I was moved in your direction. But notice something. Not only was heaven moved in Daniel's direction, hell was too. Hell began to move at the same time heaven did. Have you ever wondered why you end up with such great faith. You believe in God to do this or do that. And great things are going to happen and going to happen and going to happen and going to happen. And then all of a sudden, it seems like everything that can go wrong does go wrong. Every attack that can happen does happen. And you don't know why. Because hell heard you when you prayed. We started praying 12 weeks ago now, I guess. Something like that. Concerning this corona. God, get involved. God, get involved. Lord, we need you. Churches all over the world began to pray in unison for help. Lord, whatever you're doing through this whole stuff, let your will be achieved and accomplished. We have taken authority and dominion over fear and sickness and infirmity and yada, 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 yada. But in the middle of all this, one of the things that began to happen that nobody began to pay attention to, at least not like we should have, was an irritation with Dr. Fauci <clears throat> and Dr. Burks and all the others that were involved in giving us instructions as a nation and as a people and 
All of a sudden, this unrest and this irritation began to brew across the nation. I got irritated. But if we'd have started praying when we started getting irritated, we might could have stopped irritation from becoming hatred manifested among us. But I believe that hell began to move when heaven did. And I believe hell began to move when heaven did because hell knows heaven's agenda. And hell knows, the enemy knows what God has planned for us in this time. We've spent months now talking about getting out of the church. We've got to get out of the church. We've got to go beyond the church walls. Well, guess what? We went from you got to go beyond the church walls to curfews being established all over the place. Had a young man call, was talking to me the other day, and people on the staff at their church, you know, struggling with fear from one thing or another now. The spirit of Jezebel, intimidation. You better be careful what you say. You better be careful who you look at. You better be careful. You better be careful. You better be careful. In other words, be cautious about what you preach, how you preach it, what you say you believe, how harsh you stand for it, how committed and convictions, how, how committed to your convictions are you? Because someone may get offended. Well, all I can tell you is I'm not going to talk to you about my opinions. I'm not going to talk to you about cultural issues from any vantage point other than this one right here. And then if someone has a problem, they don't have a problem with me. They got a problem with this book right here. This, this is all there is. The answer to everything in here, the answer to everything is in here. But the answer, there's, there's no answer to anything outside of this. We stand in a very unique time in, in human history. We are looking in the face some of our most difficult challenges that are currently going on and that will continue to. But we also are looking the greatest opportunities for a manifestation of God right in the eyeball. Just like I told you sitting in that office with a physical therapist inflicting pain on me. God was able to get involved in a young woman's life that had I not tore those muscles and tendons or whatever loose five weeks ago up in my attic, I was extending the flooring over the den and putting in new flooring and new insulation, re-insulating and picked up a four by eight sheet of one inch Blandex and with my fingertips. And apparently, by the next day, I couldn't hardly use either one of my hands for much. And apparently that's when I did it. Boy, it seemed inconvenient. And it was two weeks before I could get into the doctor, a week and a half before I could start therapy. But I got there right on time. It actually had nothing to do with my arms. It had only to do with the will of God being done. Through this corona nonsense, a lot of things have come about and I have found myself in a situation where I've been able um, 
to witness to people, talk to people, encourage people that I did not really know until now. People that don't know God that are texting and calling me saying, hey, what, what's your take on this? What, what do you think? What do you think? What do you feel? What? Boy, I can be mad about all of this. I can be stirred up and cranked off about everything, every inconvenience. Or I can look around and say, you know what? God's at work. And this is not the time for me to disengage from the world. It's a time for me to get engaged. Now, if the Lord tells you to run down there and jump on the city council and just get voted right in, well, you just have yourself a time. You do that. I'm going to pray for you. My prayer is the Lord never asked me to do that because it lasts about 30 minutes. My first meeting, we'd be about 30 minutes in it and I'd probably get fired. <clears throat> but it's the time for us to get engaged in the world through prayer. Prayer like we've not prayed in a long time. Prayer that supersedes everything. Oh, the world's falling apart. No, it isn't. The world's not falling apart. There's a lot of mess going on in it, but it's all according to plan. Men are going to wax worse and worse. That's what this is. But then the scripture also says that when the enemy comes against us like a flood, the Lord raises up a standard against it. How does he do that? Better yet, who does he do that through? Us. If we'll show up for it. You've heard it said, probably said it. Excuse me. Probably have said it. kind of hard to gripe about something if you don't participate in the process. It's kind of hard to fuss about how bad the world's gotten if you're not praying. I've said this for years and lately I've heard Brother Wright say it a couple times. I think he's stealing my notes. Uh, but I have said for years that there was a day that men of God actually took out time from praying to go preach. Now we have to stop preaching to go pray. We look back in time and we see a world that's changed a lot. We see a world where at one point in time Christianity, biblical values ruled the day. And then slowly but surely over a period of time a great transformation took place. And all of a sudden the influence of the day was no longer that of a biblical or Christian premise. But now the influence in our society in our politics, in our entertainment industries, from the movies that are produced to the games that are produced for kids to play. When, when young children are exposed to and have access to video games, 
that are filled with cussing and killing. I know one of them is uh, grand theft, auto, grand theft, something or other. And then the enemy masquerades around under the guise of patriotism, which I am a patriot through and through. But is it is it okay? Do you think it's okay for impressionable 10-year-olds to be playing games where their, their character is a sniper setting up on a hill or a house shooting people in the head? Is it okay that we have desensitized America and the world to violence? Is it okay that we have desensitized and... and it is my prayer that in the current stuff going on in the world now that maybe somehow or another we can come back closer to center and realize we've, we've, let, we've let the fence open. We've, we've let the gate open out here. There's stuff that's gotten in the chicken coop that never should have been in here. The language on some of this stuff. Well, Brother Shelton, now you're getting into... Well, there was a time we preached about all this. And if you really want to get particular about it, look look at the moral decay and rot in the moral fabric of our society. And I'll guarantee you that if you'll do a parallel study, you'll find that the voice of the church got quieter at about the same time the voice of immoral behavior got louder. Did it drown us out? No. We made room for it. Jesus said, now if you're going to believe promises are true, then you've got to believe the opposite is true as well. If you believe there's a God, you have to believe there's a devil and vice versa. Jesus said, <clears throat> if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, seek my face, then will I hear from heaven and heal their land. That's what he said. He meant it. We believe that. But the opposite of that is true as well. That word, if. So if we don't, if the people that are called by his name do not humble themselves, first of all, and then turn from their wicked ways and pray until you hear from heaven, something's wrong. If we're not doing that, something's wrong. And if we're not praying like we should be, then our land will not be healed. And if our land is not healed, what's the opposite of our land being healed? Our land being overrun with infection and corruption and sickness. That's the opposite. That's what we've got to look forward to. If we don't first start with the humbling of ourselves praying, turning from my wicked ways, praying, seeking his face. You ask, why does all this stuff seem to be getting worse and worse, Brother Shelton? Well, one of the key components is that one right there. The church has gone silent. And I'm not talking about the kind of praying that's like, oh God, please help us. Oh God, you got to do something, Lord. You got to get involved. Oh God, you see all this stuff going on. Because the truth is, he's probably praying that same thing back our direction. Come on, saints, you got to look up. You got to see what's going on. You got to get involved. You got to pray. I can't do anything until you pray. 
I can't hear from heaven until you pray. You've got to seek my face and pray before virtue can be released from heaven into the earth realm. We don't believe that though. We don't want to even talk about that. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, much. Don't, don't throw all of our woes and problems out there on the world and say, well, that's because they're horrible. They're horrible because we're absent. We want to take it out of God's hands, put it in our hands, and run out here and jump up and down in the street talking about, I'm going to run for city council. I'm going to make a difference. No, you're not. You're going to become part of the problem. You want to make a difference? Got news for you. There's only one way and one place for the church to make a difference. Prayer. Somebody posted prevailing prayer. That's it. I'm not talking about just our morning devotion nonsense. Just a little bit of this here and there. Just I'm talking about, I ain't talk, I, I'm talking about when we get to the place that we're fed up with this mess going on in the earth, that we cut out some fun stuff, some luxury stuff, some vacations, and tell our families, we're going to spend every day of this vacation we were going to go here on, we're going to the church and pray every day. Seriously, Brother Sheldon? No. No, of course not. You don't have to do that. We're grown people. We can do what we want to do. Brother Sheldon, that's just not the way I plan to spend my summer. Is this the way you plan to spend your summer? Afraid to go outside? Scared of corona? Afraid of violence in the street that has nothing to do with that poor man's death? I'm, ta I'm not talking about the kind of prayer that you pray just before you go to bed because you just remembered you didn't pray. You're right. No more... Now lay me down to sleep prayer. Prayer. The kind of prayer that raises the roof on the house. If you'll get up at the crack of daylight and go fishing, but you won't get up at the crack of daylight and go to prayer, you're, you're in sin. You got a priority problem. We'll get up and spend copious amounts of hours and dollars, and nobody loves to hunt and fish more than I do. I love it all. You can see my little duck picture beside me there. I got another one up there, and right above me, I got some ducks, a couple of mallards mounted. I love to hunt. Got a gun cabinet right here full of guns, a gun safe in the den full of guns. I love it. But not more than this. And if I give myself to anything more than I give myself to the kingdom, that thing has become wrong. Wrong. There's no more, there's no way to just continue to justify putting God last. And we, we've, you know, we quarantine ourselves off with our commentaries like, well, you know, you just don't want to put anything ahead of God. <coughs> <coughs> As
as bad as that is, that sounds a lot less offensive than saying you don't want to put God last. So even in what we say and how we say it, we don't say it right. We say stuff like, well, we just don't want to put things ahead of God. We don't want things to get... Why don't we just man up on it and say, you know what, you've put God last in your life and you got a problem. Jesus is bringing up the rear in your life. So my point is, his point is to us today, we, we've, we've got to make some decisions here, folks. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying anything you hadn't heard or even thought in prayer and felt your own self. Are we going to be cultural warriors? Or are we going to be spiritual warriors? Kingdom conscious prayer warriors. Because the culture you're wanting to fight for will turn on you. The minute what you're doing and saying no longer fits their narrative, they're going to turn on you. I've come to the conclusion, and I've been here for a long time, I really believe, but even now more than ever before. The prophetic gift and the prophetic anointing that God moved to front and center with all of this corona mess. The enemy now has come out with all of this other stuff from George Floyd to now and then retroactive going back to others that have been treated unfairly. And I'm, I'm opposed to all that, okay? Again, for the third time, I oppose that. But that is not the issue in the church. Here we were poised to hear a word from God. A prophetic spirit had moved among us. And in that much time, through a tragic, unnecessary event, we shut the prophetic down and allowed the spirit of Jezebel to come back into the earth. Not because we're afraid that if we say something as a white person, a black person is going to get mad at us, or a black person say something, a white person is going to get mad, or an Asian is going to get mad at a Latino, and on and on and on and on. Not, not, we're, we're, we're now at a place where we're not, we're not afraid of a physical attack. We're afraid of we don't want to hurt someone. Okay. The scripture says that even judgment is administered with love. Speak the truth in love. But for God's sake, speak the truth. What happened, happened because of hatred. It happened, and the only, science says that there's no such thing as cold, there's only the absence of heat. So I'm going to tell you the only way hatred can exist is in a void left behind where there is no love of God. Period. That man did what he did to that other man because of hatred. Whether he hated that man or not is not the point. There was hatred in his heart that, was, that made him a destructive force. It was just a matter of time before that blew out. Unfortunately, it happened where it did. Why? Because the enemy knew if I can get it to happen here, just like this, under these conditions, I can send the whole nation into an uproar. At the very moment, God's trying to do what we've been praying for three months to get him to do. Three months we've been battling spirits. We've been releasing prophetic. We've been trying our best to live the life of an apostolic. And then all of a sudden, at a critical mass moment, 
where the love of God is, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. No fear, no intimidation, no anxiety, none of that. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord give you strength. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. But instead of praying prophetically, praying the word prophetically, oh no, uh -uh, we're not doing that. We're just hiding in our living rooms and in our backyards, cowering, hoping that all of this unrest will finally go away because we don't want to have prophetic prayer going on Lord, I take authority and dominion over every spirit of division, over the spirit of hate, over the spirit of what, and, and we don't want to, we don't want to bind stuff. Yet there are biblical principles. If you'll bind it, I'll bind it. You loose it, I'll loose it. He's already exercised authority over spirit of hate, murder, violence, revenge, bitterness. I mean, come on, the, the, the man that committed the act as I understand it, had 20 to 25 citations in recent past. There was something driving him. There was some hatred driving that man. Maybe it was from abuse as a child. Okay, how did that happen? Because the moral decay of our country has allowed demonic spirits to come in. And I'm gonna tell you right now, and I know I've been on here for an hour and 20 minutes, and I'm, I'm gonna shut up in just a minute, I think. But if we, don't, if we don't get back to where we're supposed to be, yes, sin has always been among us. Yes, abuse and, and all of these things, it's always been there. But there was a time when the church was present enough, that the name was present enough, that the anointing was present enough to suppress this mess. It's just a matter of time before your civil liberties are attacked to the point that you no longer have the right to preach an absolute doctrine. It's coming. I don't believe that. I don't care. You're going to be shocked. But you remember I told you on this day, it is coming. Hate crimes? This nonsense with this Antifa bunch? Are you serious? To the point now that we got a woman running for Congress in Georgia that appeals to the good old boy mindset as she stands out in front of her house with an AR-15 strapped on telling Antifa, stay out of Northwest Georgia as she slides that chamber back. Okay, if you got an AR-15 or not, but what's that saying? You're appealing to one group to encourage them to continue to hate what somebody else is. I'm against the, the, the nonsense and the violence that that group's doing. But instead of challenging them, that's all that is, is a challenge. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, seek my face, then will I hear from heaven. Not until then. But Shelton, you sure are stirred up. Yes, I am, because I'm raising children in this mess. I've got a biracial child in this mess. 
I, I got to explain to her why there's hatred at this level in this country, in the world. And I've got to educate her through this filter so she don't grow up hating people that look like me. So that's the root of your problem, Brother Shelton. Oh, come on, give me a break. Is that really the deepest you can go? No, that's not the depth of my problem. You know what the depth of my problem is? We are so far from Calvary, we can't even see it any much anymore, much less feel the blood as it washes off of it. We, we have become so immersed in popular secular stuff and politics and commentary from every cultural issue in the world that we don't hear the cross anymore. We don't talk about the cross. We don't feel the blood. We G.T. Haywood's song, half the people in the church today don't know nothing about a crimson stream of blood. My God, what would happen to the church if we would just lock ourselves in prayer long enough to get a current revelation of the blood of Jesus equal to the one that G.T. Haywood got? Cultural warriors. kingdom-minded prayer warriors. I'm telling you, I'm grieved. Because the gospel's been hid. And we're real big on talking about who it was hid from, but we don't want to talk about who it's been hid by. We've hidden it. We've hidden the gospel. Can we win? Yes. Will we? The church will. The church will triumph. It always has. It always will. The question is, am I going to be a part of that? We no longer live in a world where neutral is okay. It's not. We're now part of a world where neutral is opposition. Jesus didn't leave room for sidelines. You love me? Yeah, feed my sheep. I'll shut up after this. So many years ago, I was driving through a city and realized that it was a night I was on my way home and I realized it was a night they were having church or should have been pastor and I were friends and I thought well I'll just slip in there at the back they were already well in the service I knew that by the time so I thought I'll just ease in the back of this building and um here for the ministry and see what all the Lord wants to do and maybe he and I can have a little fellowship after church 
except it wasn't church. It was a business meeting. Only it wasn't. It was a free-for-all. And as I sat there, I became highly aware very quickly that this was not the place I wanted to be. And so I began to plan my exit strategy, my great escape. And I thought, and I just, he was looking in my direction. And I said, as soon as he breaks his visual target this way and moves, I'm going to make an escape. What they were doing, the church, they hadn't had anybody receive the Holy Ghost in so long. And it was just in a mess. And um, he had put a mic down at the front, between the front two pews, and anybody that had anything they wanted to say, a concern, a gripe, a question, come to the mic. He'd stand in the pulpit. Well, it, it, it very quickly deteriorated into a screaming, yelling match. And, accusations going on and finally he looked back at me where I was sitting and he said brother Shelton so glad you're here uh, if you would I'd like for you to weigh in on this topic help us I said brother I, I'm going to pass in a few minutes he came back around and was scanning, I just put my head down trying to hide because I'm still trying to plot my escape. And he called me out a second time. Brother Shelton, can't be an accident that you're here. Uh, we're, we're stuck. We're trying to figure out why we can't have revival, why nobody gets the Holy Ghost here anymore. We can't even get people to come and blah, blah, blah. And there were people making comments back to him over that stuff. And I, again, waved him off. I said, brother, I, I don't want to get involved in this situation. If you don't mind, all due respect, leave me out of your family squabbles. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, okay, I'll let you buy twice. But this man is going to turn his attention to you one more time. And when he does this time, you will stand and you will say exactly what I put in your spirit to say. Well, my response to Jesus was, okie dokie, but they're not going to like it. I got a feeling. I didn't even know what he was going to say, but I just know him, and I knew. And sure enough, old pastor turns and looks back there at me again. He said, Brother Shelton, I am, I am, calling on you, I implore, I, I'm not letting you off. I need help. We need help. We need a word from God. And it was like the Lord took that leash off and you just hear it go click. He said, get it. Go on. So I did. But I started with a disclaimer. I said, I want it to be on the record that I have tried, yea, twice, 
not be involved in your, your business. And you, and now Jesus, have not afforded me that luxury. So, all I can tell you is I'm going to tell you what the Holy Ghost said. You want to know why nobody will come to your... The question I've got is, why would they? I said, you hate these people. And these people hate you. And most of these people despise one another. He got red-faced and started in. I said, you be quiet. You started this. You drug me into your mess. Now you listen. You're up here fussing and blaming all this on the saints of God. But when was the last time you locked away and prayed and fasted and quit trying to run your business and quit trying to reach certain financial mile markers in your company? When was the last time you dedicated that much effort and attention to the kingdom? Oh, I could feel the saints, they were getting ready to just lop his head off. I said, oh, oh, oh. I said, when was, when was the last time some of you well-abled men went and took care of the widows in this church? When was the last time that the widows in this church didn't have to spend their, their meager little social security checks to have their yards cut because the men in this church took care of them? Young men. I'm not talking about the old men. I'm talking about young men that have plenty of time and plenty of energy to do it. When was the last time somebody had enough of a burden for ministry, true ministry, I'm not talking about this pulpit mess, true ministry, to say to the pastor, you know what, I'm going to be over the widow's ministry. I am going to take care of them, and I'm going to get some men together with me, and we're going to put together a plan, and widows that have leaky roofs, faucets, problems if they it will we'll get we'll get a list of stuff together and we're going to start helping these widows out and not charge them no i did anything nobody said a word i said when was the last time that somebody in this church took another person out to eat that you don't normally have any any fellowship with when was the last time any of you saints prayed and fasted for your pastor and his family? Who, by the way, the Lord just said, are under a tremendous spiritual attack. Nobody. I said, then, why can't you have a harvest? Why don't people come to this church? Because you hate them. And you hate Jesus. We do not, pastor said. I said, oh, yes, you do. According to the book, you do. Jesus said, if you can't love those whom you've seen, how do you profess to love those, him, whom you've not seen? If you don't love your brethren, you obviously don't have the love of God. And if you don't have his love enough to love people that are in the body, you certainly don't have enough love of God to love the lost around you that are dying and going to hell every single day. So until you quit hating and go back to doing what Jesus commanded us to do, love one another. By this might all men know that you're my disciples, that you have love, show love one to another. How good it is for us to dwell in unity. If, if we can't get that figured out in the church, how in the wide world do we think it's going to get fixed in the world? Anyway, I got to go to my seat. Now you know what I know. It's a sin issue. And the times we find ourselves now living in. Oh, and yes, I did straight away get up. As soon as I was through, I turned around and got my keys and walked out. Never talked to that man again. He never tried to speak to me. I was three feet from him. Later on, he wouldn't even speak. 
families in a thousand different pieces now. Church down to nothing. Church got in such bad shape they put a appeal out on Facebook if somebody would just please come and pastor it. Facebook marketplace kind of a deal. The church that at one time had some apostolic leadership, but they lost the love of God. And when you lose the love of God, you lose every function of Calvary that is the result of the love of God. It was the love of Jesus for us and the will of the Father that took him to a cross that unleashed all of these signs, wonders, and miraculous things on the church. If we don't have the love of God, we don't have all that of it. Nobody's going to see the Holy Ghost and nobody's going to be healed. No signs, wonders, or miracles are ever going to be done. And we're just going to be a religious body of people at best. So, back to this. There's not another book in the world anybody ought to be reading. If you've got a call of God on your life, you want to know about leadership? Right here. You want some good leadership principles? Right here. You want to know how to be somehow led by God? Right here. You want to know how to have a profitable life? Right here. You want your finance blessed? Right here. Zig Ziglar's little old book don't have nothing on this. I know, I know. Yeah, but you know, you got to have more than, and that's what's wrong. When you've got to have more than this, we need more of him. The world don't need more of our education. Are you saying don't ever read? Do not. That's not what I said. Don't read everything else more than you read this. The world does not need more of my intelligence or lack. The world does not need more of our good ideas. They need a genuine move of the Holy Ghost that can only and will only ever be birthed through prayer. Brother Williams, I hope I have not just completely wore the saints of God out an hour and 35 minutes into this deal. There's a flow here that I think will probably go for hours but I feel like the Lord is wanting me to disengage because that flow should continue and it should continue with each and every one of you that have watched you, you need to find some places today to pray to shut in with God today right now while if, if, if you've been moved, stirred, compelled by anything that God has said don't brush it off take it in and go somewhere and let God talk to you. I love you all very much. I pray the blessings of God be on you and his face shine on you. And he give you peace, health, wholeness, an increase of anointing. I pray the prophetic giftings of the Holy Ghost be upon you. The Spirit of God be upon you. Those of you in ministry, Brother Burke, I pray for you that your ministry be felt more powerfully from now to the rapture than it ever has been before. Brother Bishop Williams, thank the Lord for you. Bless you.
Brother Dustin Williams, thank the Lord for you. Blessings of God be upon you. To the saints of God, I bless you. In Jesus' name.